0: And um, and I'm getting better fast. You know that. Uh you know. So it's you know, just taking one day at a time. Can't rush. What up? Lynnell Willingham, leader of the new school, back with you here on 1067 the fan. Wanna thank all you for riding with me this first hour of the show. We're here with you until 335 before I hand things off to Pete Medhurst and Charlie Slows. They're in Cincinnati as the Nationals take on the Reds this afternoon. 410 first pitch right here on the fan. Eric Fetty on the bump for D.C. But before we went to break, I said I wanted to switch gears a little bit to start this hour and bring in our resident Commander's insider. He's also the co-host of Odyssey's Take Command podcast with Craig Hoffman, giving you the latest on the Washington Commanders every week. Logan Paulson joins us now on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Logan. Going on big fella thanks for joining me
1: hey man appreciate you having me
0: on yes sir let's show we'll jump right into it here logan before we get started you you yourself are a former nfl player and enjoyed a nice long career made yourself some money and a decent living in this town there seems to be a lack of appreciation for otas and how important it could be in building that championship dna for a football team from your experience what did otas do for you And how important was it for you in terms of your longevity in this league?
1: Yeah, I think OTAs, I think they're often underrated, undervalued, especially now, you know, I think the name kind of lends itself to that, you know, optional team activity or whatever it is. (laughs) And I think for me, that's where I saw the biggest growth in my career, quite, quite frankly. Like that's the opportunity where I got to get the most reps, get the most practice, get kind of familiar with the new changes to the offensive scheme. So I'm a guy who is eternally grateful to OTAs. Because I think it made me a better football player.
0: Logan, you obviously were out there this week in Ashburn. What are some of your initial observations after seeing this team on the field altogether together for the first time? Obviously, mine is the big guy.
1: Yeah, I think my, my first observation is just how good Carson Wentz looks and what he's done for this offense, you know, in terms of being able to push the football down the field. I think that skill set is going to be super advantageous, especially given – Scott Turner's history, you know, kind of mimicking his dad's offense and, and knowing that his dad wants to push the football down the field. I think that's going to be a big, uh, big advantage for this offense moving forward. Another thing that's been really impressive, quite frankly, is Jahan and how good he's looked. He's looked, uh, I'm, getting, I'm starting to get kind of one-ish receiver vibes from him, Uh-oh. which is always exciting from a rookie. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of kind of debate about him at 16, but he seems to be holding up his end of the bargain. So both those things have really stood out to me over the first two weeks
0: of OTAs. Uh, Scott Turner mentioned that rookie running back Brian Robinson has impressed him thus far. What have you seen from him? I know there aren't pads on right now, so it's a little bit difficult to evaluate the running backs. And if he's able to pick things up quickly, do you anticipate Scott getting more creative and how he deploys Antonio Gibson?
1: Yeah. So I think the thing about um, Robinson that you love is just you love his feel and you love his vision for the running back position. I mean, he is just a guy who knows how to set up his blockers, who knows where the run is supposed to go, who knows um, how to just play the position at a very high level. And, like, obviously everyone knows his physicality, but I think the way he understands angles um, shows up really nicely, especially even without pads on. And I'm really excited to see that physical element of his game come to life during training camp when they put the shoulder pads on. But, yeah, he has been super impressive, and I think he's just – totally strengthen this backfield. And, yes, I think it's going to help Antonio Gibson. I think it's going to keep him pressure, and I think it's also going to allow Scott to use him in more creative ways. You know, having, uh, you know, a three-headed monster back there is is a very, very advantageous spot for an offensive coordinator being.
0: Logan, let's flip things over to the other side of the ball. There there was obviously a lot of frustration and head-scratching amongst the local media and fan base about the team not bringing in another linebacker, Uh, the team opting to give Cole Holcomb a shot, uh, being this team's Mike linebacker. What's caught your eye defensively, and how have you seen them line up personnel-wise in 11-on-11 using these two-linebacker look?
1: Yeah, I think the thing about um, what they're doing right now is I think they're kind of bleeding into that Buffalo nickel role. I think what you see early and often in this OTA period is you're seeing three, three safety sets. You're seeing Cam Krill in the box. You're seeing Benjamin St. Juice in the box. You're seeing Bobby McCain in the box. You're seeing guys with a better coverage ability playing in and around the line of scrimmage, which helps them match up to like these uh, kind of multiple receiver sets. And I think that's what their plan is moving forward. I think they want to be kind of a more um, a lighter box, a faster, more athletic defense, a defense that can present problems in terms of how they align because you don't know where, where and who is kind of playing what position within the context of the defense. So that's what I've seen, and I think that's how they're going to combat this linebacker issue.
0: Yeah, Logan, definitely interesting thing uh, to to keep taking a look at. And as you know, the way today's NFL is, it's advantageous to have the, the safety's more so looked at a hybrid position right now—a guy who can be able to tackle and still line up over the slot and cover some of these fast guys, backs and receivers coming out of the backfield. But earlier in the show, I reacted to uh, ESPN Plus in, Insider Bill Barnwell. He listed his off-season rankings, ranking each team's off-season one through thirty-two. He said the Commanders, in his opinion, have had the 26th best off season compared to the other 31 teams in the league. What do you make of that ranking? And in your opinion, based on what you've seen in practice so far to this point, how would you assess Washington's off season now that all the parts are available?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, you know that's interesting. Like when you get a national (laughs) media member, you know, ranking off seasons because you know they're not privy to kind of how how certain players and certain um, acquisitions fit an ideology of an offense, right? So I look at Carson Wentz and his value to another team would be considerably less than it is here to Washington, right? Because they they want to be able to push the ball vertically down the field. They have a guy here now who can get that done. I think people, especially in the national media, don't understand how impactful that's going to be on this group of playmakers, right? Not, they don't understand how, how, uh, how much more effective Scott Turner is going to be with, with him at quarterback. And I think I look at this offense, I look at this team, and I don't want to say they were a quarterback away last year because most teams have that same issue. But in, with regards to Carson's specific skill set, I, I would rate it much higher. you know. And again, the, other people made sexier moves. They made bigger moves. They, they, had, they got bigger names in there. But I think in terms of finding people that fit what and who the commanders want to be moving forward, I don't think that is um, that's a very fair assessment. Now, I could be entirely wrong. I think one of the things about the offseason that's great is like I have access to information that he doesn't have access to. He doesn't see how Jahan looks in practice. He doesn't see how Brian Roberts looks in practice. He doesn't see how Cole Turner wins one-on-one situations, right? So all of those situations in terms of draft, they don't look that sexy. Carson Wentz, everyone understands uh, his his issues over the last two or three years playing football in the NFL. But again, like to, for me, that list, writing that list now, that's part of being a media member, that's part of you know, this offseason process, but these decisions will be flushed out to kind of full light here in probably six months. And so that's where, that's where I'd like to revisit this list and see how accurate he is. Because right now, I think all of these moves have fit what the Washington football team wants to do and should be doing. And were there better moves? Maybe, but I think they ended up with a nice core of people here that is going to make this team a lot better.
0: Yeah, definitely, will be excited to see how this core looks come training camp, Logan. I'll get you out with a non-football question. You're a Southern Cowboy. The Warriors in the NBA Finals down 0-1 against the Boston Celtics. Who do you like? You know,
1: I have you, this might come as a surprise to you, now but I've watched absolutely zero basketball this offseason. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I watched. I watched does, like the first quarter. Of, uh, <laughs> I watched like the first <laughs> quarter of the game the other day. And I was like, who are these people? Like, the only person I recognize is like Steph Curry. So, um, you know, I think, I think Golden State's going to win. I know Boston Celtic has a history, a, a, a successful record against um, uh, the Warriors. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's a toss-up to me. Yeah.
0: Well, look, Logan, I appreciate you giving us some of your time, man. No more basketball questions for you.
1: Yeah, there we go. No more basketball <laughs> questions.
0: All right. Thanks, Logan. That was Logan Paulson joining me with the latest on the Commanders. And don't forget to tune in. To the Take Command podcast with Logan Paulson and Craig Hoffman. You can stream that good content wherever you get your podcast from. But when we come back, we'll continue to take a look at Chris Sims' top 40 NFL QB list. Where does Chris have Washington's new QB Carson Wentz slotted ahead of the 2022 season? I'll tell you that on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Ride with me. Linnell Willingham here with you until 335 on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. I know somebody who's brushing plenty of dirt off their shoulders from all their haters. I'm talking about our new quarterback, Carson Wentz. Welcome back. Lenele Willingham here with you until 335. I'll hand things over to Pete Medhurst and Charlie Slows for Nats on Deck. They'll get you set for Nats baseball here on the fan. D.C. and Cincinnati taking on the Reds. But before we went to break, I spoke with Logan Paulson, and he mentioned the difference in what Carson Wentz does for this offense. But I got a news flash out there for you, ladies and gentlemen. Our new quarterback here at the nation's capital is one of the most polarizing subjects in all of professional sports right now. The way he departed his last two teams. The fact that he's a devout Christian. The fact that there are reports coming out saying he wasn't a good guy in the locker room. All all kinds of stuff out there trying to slander the new QB1 here in our nation's capital. Everyone with a major platform has pretty much gone on the record and dished their opinions on his exit from Indianapolis Uh, And Philadelphia. But in my opinion, I say this. Who better to dish on Wentz than another former quarterback? Chris Sims of NBC Sports. Every offseason gives his list of the top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL. And I believe it was two Sundays ago when I was on here with you guys. I played the clip of Chris Sims talking about why Taylor Heineke did not make his list. Chris Sims back at it again. He's now giving us quarterbacks 20 to 17. Chris Sims, highly respected around the league for his football acumen. Check out where Chris had Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz ranked and what he thinks about the new signal caller in D.C.
2: Number 20 on your list yep. this year, an area that he has been in the last three years and now to a quarterback who got a little bit better than Jimmy Garoppolo in the last few hours. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. Number 19 Seriously. on your list. Yeah, this was it was a tight one, and this is where we're going to go with Carson Wentz. We are. Carson Wentz, Washington Commanders quarterback. I'm still having a hard time spitting that out That's, of my mouth. It's going to take a while. I literally only said the like Philadelphia and the Colts at the same time there when I was about to say what team he was. I was like, the Philadelphia <laughs> uh, Colts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, Carson and wins. Hey, negatives. He's got some of the things Jimmy Garoppolo has. Yeah, I mean, some of the where you just go, oh, you're too smart. You know, you played too many too much football to do this. I Why? will never forget that interception on the screen right by his goal line. Right, and it gets the Tennessee that. Titans. Yeah, right. I mean, there's there's a number of those type of plays throughout the year, or sacks. Or strip sacks, where you go, man, you just played too long. What are we doing? Why are we still sitting there? You've been there for seven seconds. You throw the ball away. Get out of the pocket. Well, he takes a sack. Or the ball gets strip sacked and fumbled. So, I, again, I didn't mean to start with the negatives here, but yeah, just because we were kind of talking about with Garoppolo. There's You're like, he's moved ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> but he's been Well, bad. there's a lot of similarities to yeah. why they're here where they are. Sure. You know, he, though, okay, what I would say is, you know, Yes, can force the ball in the tight windows. Has some of those issues. Won't get off a receiver because he just, oh, I'm going to throw it in there. He's going to come open. Here he comes. I'm going to keep saying on him, no, get off him. Go to number two. Go to number three. No, don't just force it in there and try to throw it in there because you wanted to throw there. There's some of that there. All right? So it's that. You talk about You know the dumb interceptions, and, and those are some of the similarities with Garoppolo, except here's the difference to me. You know, Wentz can really make some game-changing plays and throws. There's a difference there. You know, and again, he's not on the 49ers with Debo Samuel and George Kittle in the best run game in football. And People got to remember that, too. We're all on the same team here. You know, he didn't have that type of talent around him that Garoppolo did. But... Pittman was pretty Pittman good. Pittman was good. Jonathan Taylor was about awesome. awesome. Maybe the best running back yep, in the league. but he did really good. I get it. I get it. I, I still don't think we're going to put that quite in the 49ers category quite yet. But, you know, he can stand in there... I will say this, the pocket collapsing, people bearing down on him, he's phenomenal that way. He can make big-time throws down the field. He can make big-time power plays and power throws to what we were talking about with Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't have to always worry about you know, trying to find a way to get the ball to the receiver eight yards over the middle and find seven different moving parts to do that. They can just call plays and go, damn, it's one-on-one, there's a 20-yard out route, throw it, boom, he hits it. He can make, like... Tight window, you know, aggressive throws and zone coverage, you know, in the hole and cover two. He's reading down the middle. Wait, that safety's cheating. Let me throw a laser in between those two. So, those are some of the things he can do that are at a greater level than Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, let alone he's a better athlete and can make plays off schedule. All right. So those things are clearly better than Garoppolo. Now, where it was close and why we're having this conversation, I'm kind of just comparing the two, is he's not nearly the leader or the person that Jimmy Garoppolo is. does not have that effect. I mean, we're seeing two years in a row where teams are like, please leave the locker room. We'll, we'll, we'll stop it right there for right now.
0: And, I, and I'll continue to play some of this on the next segment here. Enough. All right? E- enough. And I, and I and I asked our producer, Denton Day, to stop on that, that line specifically. Chris Sims, were you in the locker room with the Indianapolis Colts a season ago? Chris Sims, were you in the locker room with the Philadelphia Eagles two seasons ago? The answer is no. Chris Sims, along with everybody else who's given their take, On Carson Wentz. I listened to you all the way up until. You try and tell me. What's going on in the locker room. Of an NFL franchise. Now I get it. Chris Sims. Has played football. At the NFL level. I believe he lasted five seasons. Was a backup. Right. So he at least. Knows what it's like to have that locker room camaraderie and how important it is to have that, especially at the quarterback position. Now this is where I want to draw the line because I think there is a distinct difference between a guy being quote unquote, not a good leader and just being more reserved and quiet, which is kind of what I've taken from corroborating the evidence I have so far On Carson Wentz. Because we've now seen multiple players. Come out in defense. Of Carson Wentz the person. Carson Carson Wentz the human being. Prominent figures on the Indianapolis Colts. All pro linebacker Darius Leonard. Was heated. When the team made the decision. To trade Carson Wentz. Heated. Went out to Twitter. To even defend Wentz. John Taylor, the running back last year in Indianapolis, quick to go to bat for Carson Wentz. I don't know if you guys watched Good Morning Football. Torrey Smith, a regular contributor to the show, former teammate of Carson Wentz when he was in Philadelphia, went on a whole diatribe of why Carson Wentz will be successful. And in June of 2022, finding guys who are in support of Carson Wentz is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. There just aren't that many people in defense of Carson Wentz right now. And I get it. I I really do truly get it. And like I said, he's turned himself, and I really think it's no fault of his own, has turned himself organically. I'll I'll even go as far as to say that. He's done it organically. Carson Wentz is one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. Everybody that sits in the chairs that I sit in has an opinion on this young man and his character and what type of leader he is and how he is in the locker room. And we'll continue to play the rest of Chris Sims' comments when we get back from break. But I had to stop it right there. Because we got to stop. Just stop. You look ignorant, quite frankly. How would you feel if somebody of another parent. Let's, let's use it like this. For all my people out there who have kids. I'm 24. I know nothing about kids. Don't have children. Don't plan on having any anytime soon. You guys know how it is when you go drop your kid off at daycare in the morning? Oh wow, I can't believe Susie put that on little Jimmy. I can't believe. I can't believe she let her walk out of the house like that. What if the parents from the carpool dropping off the elementary every morning tried to make an indictment on you as a parent and your parenting styles without even being in the damn house? That's how I view the pundits an analyst, that use their platforms to come out and try to tear down Carson Wentz, the person. And that is where I've made it a point of emphasis. I'm going to draw the line every single time. Not my quarterback. You won't get on your platform and speak negatively about my QB1. And now I'm peeling back the curtain here. I'm a fan. So I take all this... Very personally, I'm a young fan at that. One that hasn't been around long enough to view and remember the glory days of this franchise. Hell, I wasn't even born. One playoff win for this organization since 2005. So when I feel there's a sense of hope for this organization, I draw myself to it. Now, I'm the same guy when I first started working here a summer ago. Who came on these airwaves and said I was the leader of the Heineke Hive? I was the number one Taylor Heineke defender. But then the Buffalo game happened. And I quickly changed my tune. Because once I see evidence on the football field that a guy can't do it. I played high school football. I got recruited to play college football. I know the game. If you can't do it, you can't do it. Right Now, it was clear last season that physically Taylor Heineke could not do it. You know who that's not the case for? Carson Wentz. Because when you go out and throw for 27 touchdowns and 7 interceptions, 20 touchdowns and 7 interceptions, excuse me, you get looked at a little bit differently. When you have the experience and talent and upside, That Wentz has and has displayed in this league. Let's talk about that. Quit talking about what he is in the locker room. What he is around his teammates. Because quite frankly, you don't really know. It's all he and she said. You heard a friend's friend say this to his cousin. Like there's no, I want a direct source. I want a primary source. Go back to my college days. I want a primary source. Somebody who was on the scene. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic was in the locker room last year. Nobody, none of the reporters got access to the locker room last year. And and he, and I'm not even trying to go after Zach. Zach does great work for The Athletic, covers the Indianapolis Colts. He is the one that I feel pushed this narrative that Carson Wentz is such a bad person. And I'll continue. To get into more of what Chris Sims had to say about Carson Wentz on the other side of this break. And I'll tell you why even though Sims only has Wentz ranked as the 20th best quarterback in the NFL. It's more than enough for the Washington Commanders to be competitive in 2022. Don't go anywhere. Ride with me. I'm Linnell Willingham here with you on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. We didn't care about how much draft capital they had to give up. We care about the end results. And it ended up in the Rams winning a Super Bowl. Let's go to Paulie from the seven five seven, tapping in with me on the MGM National Harbor listening lines. Tapping in with me, Paulie. What do
3: you? Think, how much better do you
0: think Washington will be if they get top twenty quarterback play from from Carson Wentz?
3: Yeah, to the W, man. Look, man, they only gonna be. It, this is not just about the quarterback, man. This is about the complete team. You know, this is about Ron Rivera. This is about Scott Turner. That's the key. Scott Turner and Carson Wentz and hoping that Scott Turner don't stay pass happy because there's it, it, a lot of weapons on this team on paper. Let's say that on paper, there's a lot of weapons on, on this paper, team. On paper, they look great. They do. Uh, exactly. A lot of things look great on paper. until you get, look, look, last year, everybody said the defense was going to be a top five defense on paper, and we were the bottom five defense, and that's another thing. You know, the defense got to help out the offense. So to, to me, this is this is not just about Carson Wentz. Yeah, we need him to be uh, top twenty, and and I, and I don't mean like you know the best or top five, just somewhere in that top twenty range, you know. And, and we also need the defense to be in the, in the top fifteen range, you know. But I do like the Carson Wentz thing. I'm not gonna say compare him to Matthew Stafford because that's a, a different situation. You know, Stafford wasn't coming off uh, uh, some suspect years. He was just playing with a, 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 doing a lot of winning, though. Hey,
0: hey, hey, yeah, it wasn't, he he, was he wasn't Detroit. doing a lot of winning. Who wins in Detroit?
3: Though. Like you said. Who wins you're in Detroit, man? Correct. Like you said, to your, point, to your
0: point, to your point, it's about the supporting cast around him as well. Matthew Stafford, evidence of that, as soon as he got into a situation where the, some of the parts were as good as he was as a quarterback, you see what happened. Wasn't yeah, but he Super
3: wasn't was he wasn't coming off where he personally was struggling himself, also, though. So we got to see if, if, if wins or not. And people keep saying, they'll oh, get back to the circle. No, we got to see if he's evolved into a better quarterback. Right. You know, because sometimes, sometimes when you have a downfall, it works in, in your favor. No, I definitely agree with that,
0: Paulie. I appreciate the call. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah hey, I appreciate ready. you. Tonight, man. Yes, have a great sir. afternoon,
3: man. Yes,
0: sir. Appreciate you tapping in with me, Paulie. Got to get ready to wrap it up and go to break here. But, but, I'll, but I'll close this segment on this. Carson Wentz last season, 20 touchdowns, 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. How can you sneeze at that? Washington hasn't gotten that type of production from the quarterback position since 2019? Since Alex Smith was the quarterback of this football team, we haven't had a guy with the physical gifts that Carson Wentz presents at that position. We just haven't. Call a spade a spade. RIP to the late Dwayne Haskins. He is the closest thing from a physical standpoint to what Carson Wentz is. And I think, as Logan mentioned when he was on with us, Carson's going to be able to unlock a different part of Scott Turner's offense that we haven't seen in his three years at the helm as offensive coordinator. We'll get ready to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll switch gears a little bit, we'll take things over to the NBA. Talk about our local basketball team here in town, the Washington Wizards, and how their roster kind of resembles the Boston Celtics. What did they do different than the Boston Celtics did? You see everyone in Boston before this finals run were clamoring to break up the pairing of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Same thing that happened here in Washington. They got frustrated with the injury situation with Bradley Beal and John Wall. We'll get into some things. Should we trade Bradley Beal? And if we aren't going to trade Bradley Beal, how much money is he going to come We'll get to that on the other side. I'm Linnell Willingham. This is 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app. Then they won't mind giving you a max deal if you're Bradley Beal. <laughs> Linnell Willingham back with you here on The Fan for about another half hour or so before I hand things off. The Charlie Slows and Dave, excuse me, Charlie Slows and Pete Medhurst for Nats on deck. They're out at Great American Ballpark as the Nats and Reds getting set to play Game Three of a four-game series. Now, before I went to break, I talked, I teased, talking about our basketball team here a little bit as we sit right now, six days away from the NBA draft next Friday night. Washington currently holds the number ten selection and. There are are some question marks, say the least, surrounding Washington's basketball team here and some big decisions the general manager, Tommy Shepard, and company will have to make here in the coming weeks and months, one of which is what to do with Bradley Beal. Now, another polarizing subject here in our D.C. sports market And I'll I'll answer what to do with Brad Beal by playing a little game with you. You guys can tap in with me and join in with me on this game. You can at me on Twitter, N-E-L-L-B-T-P, underscore B-T-P, excuse me, with the hashtag Jalike or Bush. I'm the leader of the new school. Let me explain this to you. Jalike, yeah, slang term for yeah, we like it. It's something we want to do. Bush stands for BS, something we would not want to do. And I'll bring in my producer here, Denton Day, to help me out a little bit. He's concocted some Bradley Beal trade ideas if the Washington Wizards decide that they don't want to offer him the big max contract, which would be worth north of $200 million.
4: So Denton, throw one on me, and I'll give you our first, Jalike or Bush? All right, so I put together these trades. I went to ESPN's trade machine just to make sure they worked financially, and ESPN's trade machine wouldn't let me move Bradley Beal because of his contract. So we're just going to assume that these yeah. all work financially. I'm not going to give you the Miami Heat one. Everyone's seen that. We have talked about it to we're blue in the face. But I want to start out in Denver. Mm-hmm. So here's the trade number one. Washington gets Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. and then signs him to a, a nice extension. Monte Morris, the point guard, a first-round draft pick in 2023 and a second-round draft pick this upcoming year in the NBA draft, which can be moved to next year if that fits the trade better. Denver gets Bradley Beal.
0: Should or Bush? I'll go Bush here on this one. I'll tell you why. The big Taj Mahal trade chip in that potential trade is Michael Porter Jr. Now, those of you who are basketball enthusiasts like myself and follow the game closely, if you remember, Michael Porter Jr., one of the most highly touted high school recruits coming out in the last decade. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. He's only been in the year four years, I believe. And yeah. what he did at the high school level was remarkable. And he you know, went to Mizzou, played in a couple games due to the back injury, still ended up being a lottery pick. And Denton, those struggles for him to stay healthy have continued on the pro level And that is why I say Bush to this specific trade because I don't want to get back damaged goods in return for a guy who has proven to be extremely durable, you know, here in the last few seasons, talking about Bradley Beal. And I also don't like that we're waiting until next year to get any significant draft capital back. This draft that we have right now, multiple generational talents, according, you know, to the pundits at ESPN and all the people out there who do their draft rankings. So I'll say Bush to this one. I do like Monty Morris, though. Yeah,
4: he's a good player. All right, trade number two, working with the Utah Jazz here. The Wizards would receive Donovan Mitchell, Jared Butler, Rudy Gay, and a future draft pick. (laughs) Utah gets Bradley Beal, KCP, and they get a future draft pick. I like. I would do that one. I'll tell you why, obviously. Now,
0: Denton, I hope you're not the general manager if you're the general manager then to put this trade together, they may be looking to find a new general manager in Utah if somehow Washington can finagle the Jazz into a deal where you get both Donnie Mitch and Rudy Gobert back. Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Oh, Rudy, not Rudy Gay. Yeah, oh, sorry. excuse Rudy me. G- okay, okay, okay. G- Still. <laughs> Still. You, look, you talk about the upside you know, of a guard like Donovan Mitchell, younger than Bradley Beal. Um, that's really the only... Benefit and difference between the two guys. But I'll take that because I know the potential that Donovan Mitchell has. And you've seen, obviously, it hasn't worked out too well uh, in Utah for him. Combination of things. Him and Rudy Gobert don't seem to get along very well, which is a big no-no when two of your stars can't coexist. And he's struggled with injuries himself. Uh, missing significant amount of time in the regular season. Also got hurt in the playoffs. I say John liked to that deal, though, because, man, it's rare that you're going to get a player back in the same caliber right. you know, for Bradley Beal. The, the big trade chips and a lot of these deals for, for, for Beal potentially getting shipped out of Washington, the return for D.C. is going to be mostly made up of draft capital and rotational pieces. Not even Mitchell's a star. You can rebrand and reboot this organization with Donovan Mitchell, this Chocolate City, we love basketball here in our nation's capital, D.M.V. the mecca of basketball in the United States. Getting back Donnie Mitch, seeing him walk around at Cap One Arena with the four five on his back, not like the four or five the Gilbert
4: Arenas brought into the <laughs> locker room huh. years ago either. I might add. Yeah, I'd love it. I could give me a like to that. one. All right, final one here. Working with the Detroit Pistons, Washington mm. receives the number five overall pick this year. Mm. A first-round draft pick in 2023. Mm-hmm. Another first-round draft pick protected in 2025. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, Detroit gets Bradley Beal. And then a second-round draft pick at some point down the future. Now,
0: I'm, I'm getting first reaction here as we're on the air. I like that one. I'll, I'll go jaw like to that one. Here's why. The draft capital that you're receiving in this deal from Detroit, you're essentially getting two top five picks because no matter what the Detroit Pistons add to their core next year, I still expect them to be picking in the lottery. So you're now getting this year's number five overall pick in a, in a class, like I mentioned earlier, where there's generational talent. You're getting that you're getting Sadiq Bay, a young man who has continued to get better, as each year in the NBA has gone by he represents exactly what Washington wants to be identified with on the defensive end. A scrappy, gritty guy, 3 and D, who just does it all. Swiss Army knife for you. Can guard multiple positions. He can shoot the basketball. And and he is an ascending player, which is unlike some of the packages we've seen uh, in the other deals. So yeah, I like to that one. I definitely think if Washington can get Detroit on the phone, Make that deal in a heartbeat. There there are, there is, uh, there should be no hesitancy from from Tommy Shepard and company to go out and make that deal. We're getting ready to get to the top of the hour here. we got to take another break. When we get back on the other side, Matt Weyrich, Nationals reporter for NBC Sports Washington, will join us. We'll get him to react to the Bobby Blanco tweet that Steven Strasburg has a locker room in Cincinnati. We'll also ask him about the past series that Washington just played against the Mets, and they were unable to score a run in 27 innings. Plus, we'll get the latest on the injury front from Washington. Stick with me. Ride with me here on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live nationally on the Odyssey app.